Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. All right, welcome everyone back to another edition of New Books in Education. This is your host, Ryan Allen. And today I'm excited to bring you a book or actually a, a report that I think a lot of you are going to be interested in and actually a, a, a revisit from an author we had in the past. And this is Social Justice and Sustainable Change, The Impacts of Higher Education. And today I have the two authors of the report on with me, Dr. Rajika Bandari, Deputy Vice President, Research and Evaluation at Institute of International Education, and uh, Dr. Mika Martel, Assistant Director of Research and Evaluation uh, at IIE as well. Uh, thank you both for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. Um, if we could, can, can we just uh, maybe briefly describe your work at uh, IIE? I, I think a lot of our audience should be uh, familiar with it, but uh, maybe some of them, it, it's kind of new if they're more into domestic work. Can, can you briefly describe uh, what you guys do there? Sure, maybe I will begin and provide an overview and then Mirka could say a few words about what we're doing in the area of evaluation. So our IIE Center for Academic Mobility Research and Impact is uh, focused on studying academic mobility trends, which means that we um, study patterns and trends both in uh, students and scholars from other countries coming to U.S. institutions to study, as well as American students going abroad. So that's a large part of our work um, where we look at uh, mobility trends and our most um, well-known project within that is Open Doors. But another large part of our work is in looking at the impact of this type of mobility and really looking at what some of um, the shorter term and longer term um, outcomes and impacts are when people um, cross borders to obtain a higher education. And um, I'd love for Mirka to say a little bit more about uh, some of uh, the types of evaluations that we specialize. Liza. Sure. Thank you, Rajika. So um, our center has has created a really a niche in uh, measuring the impact of international uh, scholarship and fellowship programs. Uh, we specialize in several different types of studies. Um, on the one hand, we often help programs that are ongoing, um, whether they are at IIE or, or externally. We help them measure the success of the program while while the program is in um, in progress. So while scholars or grantees are going abroad, um, we like to see how those programs are really making a difference. And we usually look at this both in terms of their professional and personal trajectories, but also potentially the difference it's making in their um, in their outlook look on in their cultural awareness and the mutual understanding that they have um, of the world, if, if, sure. uh, if I could say it that way. Sure. And the other type of, of study, which is, which is very closely linked to what we are speaking about today, 
are actually longitudinal studies and tracking studies. So what we are looking at is how programs, when they finish, are really having a impact in the long term. So is there a way that a program like Fulbright or the Ford Foundation International Fellowships Program, which is what the report is about, um, how a program like that has long-term impacts? And one of the things we've been looking at specifically is the potential that a program like that may have an impact beyond the individual. So this idea that once um, a grantee or a scholar or a student goes through this type of experience, that it really is a life-changing experience that can influence not only that person, but potentially a much broader network, whether it's that person's um, community, that person's institution, university, or otherwise. Yeah, that's fantastic. I think I think a lot of people probably would recognize IAE from, from what Rajka mentioned, Open Doors, but it's great that uh, we can hear and, and, and talk about some of these things that you guys are doing that I they think are just as important as, as those that numbers that they're seeing as well. And let's jump into that because we're talking about this report uh, that does just that, this uh, social justice uh, and sustainable change. Can you uh, may, maybe talk a little bit about what what's the Ford Foundation International Fellowships uh, program, what that does? And uh, you looked at this over a 10 year uh, period for that report. So who, who are these people that are that are a part of the program? Who are the fellows? Right. Uh, so the Ford Foundation International Fellowships Program was a program that was focused on emerging social justice leaders. Um, these were, were individuals that were chosen in 22 countries. Um, and there were over 4,300 fellows that were chosen uh, over a period of 13 years. Uh, the program was in existence from 2001 to 2013. Now, what distinguishes the Ford Foundation International Fellowships Program is that um, the program really focused on uh, participants from marginalized communities, uh, individuals who had leadership skills and worked on social justice issues, but oftentimes were marginalized themselves. And it advanced and um, it provided advanced education opportunities for these individuals to either study abroad or some of them even studied in their own countries, but usually went to, for example, a capital city um, from their marginalized community. So um, based on that, it, it provided either master's or doctorate degrees to these individuals and our studies. It is a 10-year study, but we actually have not finished it yet. We started it in the year 2013, and we are currently in year three. And this is actually the first report that we are uh, publishing of the findings of the uh, first survey we did with the whole population. Fantastic. Can you maybe kind of get into the survey? What, what were some of the things that you were looking for or that you were asking or that, uh, that, that maybe you got back? Um, and if anything that was maybe surprising about about the, the findings there? Well, the survey really was designed to be a comprehensive look at what the fellows are currently experiencing um, and what and, and the type of work that they're doing. Since the program started in 2001, we actually have some fellows who have been out of the program for over a decade. So we wanted to look at how these um, fellows and, and now alumni are really 
what experience they have had and how those link back to the IFP fellowship experience that they got in this advanced degree. And so much like I, I explained in terms of the methodologies that we use in our overall work, we use different spheres of influence uh, in, in measuring these changes. And so we first looked at changes in their professional trajectories, what experiences they have had, what leadership positions they have had the opportunity to, to take part in and, and what organizations they have led or created. And then we also looked at broader spheres of influence. So how is it that these alumni have been able to make differences in their organizations, in their communities, and even at broader levels, in legislation, in policies, um, specifically related to the marginalized communities from which they came? Fantastic. Roger, do you want to add anything onto those uh, uh, previous two questions? or? Yeah, what I would add, you also asked, uh, what uh, surprised us. So I would say that one of the really uh, not necessarily surprising findings, but I would say um, a really positive finding for us was that even though um, IFP was not designed to be a program focused on women, the fact that 50% of the participants of the program were women, but that also a lot of the impact that we are seeing through the study has been driven by women. So Mirka alluded to the fact that so many of these, our data shows that so many of these alumni, actually 900 of them have gone on to create, actually create new organizations um, within their countries, uh, their home countries or overseas. And in fact, um, almost half of those new organizations were created by the female alumni or the women of the program. So to us, that was a really um, one of the striking findings on the, um, uh, on the impacts that um, uh, the women alumni of the program are also having. Okay, uh, that, that's fantastic to hear. I mean, we, we're always looking, I think, for uh, in, in, in our research and in our, in our uh, sort of work in international education, I think those kind of findings. So that's fantastic. Um, I, I think we lost uh, Mirka here, but that's okay. We can we can continue yeah. on. There was there was one other point that I wanted to sure. um, yep. make in terms of um, you know what was uh, really new and interesting and different about what our findings showed, and I think uh, this is one of the first studies to not only put some hard numbers on what the, the long-term impact of international and fellowship programs can be, but it's also one of the first to really demonstrate that when international scholarship programs invest in emerging leaders um, who are committed to, uh, to bringing about local change, it, it's a strategy that can actually help avert brain drain. Mm. And what we found was that, that contrary to uh, the widespread concerns about brain drain that still exist um, uh, within the field of international education about whether um, uh, students who are pursuing graduate studies outside their home may never return to their home country, what we actually found through our study was that an astounding 84% of the IFP alumni 
went back and currently live in their home country doing work um, either at the national country level within their home country or actually even within um, their original local communities. So really it's showing that um, there can be this, uh, this big impact on taking that knowledge and those skills back to their country of origin and bringing about um, uh, local or national level change. Yeah, that's fantastic. And and I, I must say, the report looks wonderful. You, you go through, you see these uh, individual infographics. Uh, you have some great maps in here as well, shows sort of where a lot of these uh, scholars came from. And they, and they come from all over the world, uh, is what, from, from uh, developing or emerging uh, markets. Um, if we could maybe talk a little bit about the methodology that you guys use to look through this data. I know you guys added in this... Um, Kirkpatrick's level of evaluation and sort of the different uh, levels one one through five and, and one added by IIE. Um, can you can you talk anything about the uh, methods either either this uh, levels of evaluation or or any other methods that you guys use to sort of look through this report? Or yeah, things? sure. So um, the Kirkpatrick um, uh, model is um, is a framework that's been utilized. Uh, quite frequently in the field of uh, evaluating uh, scholarship and fellowship programs. But what we did with the model was to take it and expand it further um, and really add in sort of a fifth layer where um, we're looking at um, how the participants uh, 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 personal and professional pathways and the choices that they're making are leading to much wider impacts at the community and national and international levels. So our overall methodology right from the beginning has been one of a mixed method study where um, we've um, we planned on alternating more quantitative data collection with more on-the-ground qualitative approaches. So the survey from which we've just released the findings is really the first set of data collection within this 10-year study. And obviously, since it's a survey, it's a more quantitative approach. However, as we speak, um, we actually have a lot of qualitative fieldwork unfolding um, in, um, in three countries in Asia, where we are working with local researchers um, who are going to um, uh, be uh, carrying out a range of data collection approaches with alumni, which include interviews, which include focus groups, and a whole other set of qualitative approaches. Um, in addition to that, in the coming years, because remember, this is a 10-year study, um, we will also be relying not just um, on what alumni have to say about their experiences and their contributions, but also reach out to others within the spheres of influence. And again, thinking back to the Kirkpatrick model, sort of the various levels at which we see the alumni having an effect. So the community level, the organizational level, etc. And going to those stakeholders and talking to them about what they see as the alumni's impact um, um, on their work. So we do plan to, for example, carry out uh, some data collection amongst um, organizations, either where alumni work or that organizations 
that alumni have uh, have founded and, and uh, launched. So that's a sort of um, uh, you know a brief description of some of our um, methodological approaches. Sure, Fan- fantastic. And I, I also was impressed by the uh, the le- the leadership level. I think that some of these. Uh, uh, some of these f- uh, fellows that actually had, had had achieved. Can you maybe talk about some of these roles that you saw that that these uh, fellows that they went back to their home country and, and sort of moved into? Sure. So um, one of the things that we have found is that the alumni themselves, so while some had leadership opportunities um, during their prior to their fellowship in their organizations, we actually found that their level of or, or opportunities for leadership have really increased as a result of their fellowship uh, opportunity. And so what we currently find is that over 79% of the, the alumni are currently in a senior leadership role. And this really provides them with an opportunity to be a role model for their uh, marginalized communities to be able to contribute to um, social justice issues in their countries and more broadly. And so this has really been for many a huge catalyst for them to be able to promote and uh, influence social change. Great, great. Was it was it difficult to get a hold of the fellows? Uh- how, how, what was that process like? So one of the things um, that we did that was that set us up for for success to a certain extent was that we started this study before the program ended. We had about one year overlap with the program, and so during that time, we really set up an engagement, an alumni engagement model, to be able to engage with the alumni, have them learn about the study, why it is important for them to participate, but. As you can imagine, having a study like this go over 10 years really provides us with a lot of challenges. And so we have been able to, um, at this juncture, be able to survey about 43% of the population. But again, Rajika mentioned all of the qualitative field work that we're doing. And what we're actually finding is that through the qualitative field work, we will potentially be able to learn about a lot more alumni who, for one reason or another, were not able to participate in the survey, but will be included in our qualitative field work. And what I'd like to add to that is that this study has uh, really demonstrated how important it is for higher education programs, for scholarship programs focusing um, on higher education to really uh, engage their alumni from a very early point, uh, in fact, while the program is still running, and to really develop very clear outreach and engagement strategies uh, for the alumni even once the program is over, because that's what really creates the foundation um, to be able to study these sorts of impacts over time. Fantastic. It would kind of come in wrapping up to, to the end of the interview. And who, I want to ask, who, who do you hope reads this report or, or who, who would you like this report to get into to their hands? I think policymakers, um, for sure, because um, even during the life of IFP, we saw when the program ran, we saw that governments um, were beginning to 
that designing programs that allow for more equity and access can actually begin to um, to change the face of students who are able to access um, a higher education and really diversify higher education populations. I think for um, foundations and funders at large, there are some um, key takeaways in this report, and we really hope that they will engage with it to not only um, uh, view it as, as a way to better understand um, program strategies or strategies within IFP that were uh, particularly effective, but to also really leverage the evidence um, to, uh, to uh, design future programs and to fund these sorts of studies. I think it's really critical for funders to not only support programs, but to also support this type of work that can allow them to look at what the impacts of their, of their, um, of their funded projects uh, can be. And I think that the other um, area where we really feel that we're making a difference is just in broader international education research. Um, I think I mentioned this at the beginning, but we found when we started this study, we did some just some baseline kind of document review of, of if there are any other studies like this that were that were being carried on. And we really found that there aren't. A lot of studies, even if they're um, retrospective, they are a one-time study, a one-time survey. And this is really a unique opportunity for us. So we're really hoping to contribute to the international education research field to the uh, monitoring and evaluation field more and more specifically about how we can, in a longitudinal way, measure these kind of changes over time and over quite a long period of time, meaning that by the end of this, we really might be able to see how people leverage an, an international scholarship or fellowship opportunity over the length of 20 years. Fantastic. So what's, what's next for the research in this report? Uh, going forward, and then and then maybe what's next for uh, in, any other research that you guys might have uh, coming up? But that's usually our final sort of uh, question here here on New Books Network. So Rajika mentioned this already. Um, this our next very exciting phase is that of the qualitative field work. Um, with this report, we have gotten a lot of excitement, but also a lot of questions about how the communities are, are feeling about the role or the work of the, of the fellows and the alumni, um, whether uh, we can get to some of these alumni who were not included in the survey. So there is going to be um, deeper uh, research being done, case studies of alumni, interviews and focus groups with their communities um, in the next year or so. And we're hoping to, at the end of that, in each of the three regions where the program was implemented, we're hoping at the end of that to have perhaps another report that will have a lot more of the contextualized findings um, and and really go deeper into some of the findings that we had from, from this first report. Um, and that, what I'd add to that is that we really see this as a very much of a living and evolving study that's going to continue until 2023. 
So in addition to um, the, the specific products that we'll be releasing, and this report was the first uh, such milestone in this 10-year journey, uh, we also envision in the coming months uh, that we would be developing some more reflective pieces on what we as researchers are learning from carrying out the study. Because as Mirka mentioned, um, the, uh, this is a unique effort. And um, many in the field of international education research and evaluation are following um, the study and, and what we're learning from it. So we do envision sharing some of the challenges, some of the barriers, as well as some of the best practices in doing this um, type of work that we hope will inform the field. Um, in terms of a couple of other um, areas in terms of what's next for us and our team more broadly in um, the field of evaluating international uh, fellowship and scholarship programs. Um, there are a couple of areas we're focusing on. We find that leadership or the notion of leadership um, is, um, is quite predominant in many of today's um, programs that um, or scholarship programs that focus at the higher education level. And through a lot of our evaluation work, we are developing frameworks and models to try and assess um, how to, uh, to assess the extent to which um, those leadership skills have been, have been developed. Um, another area that we are beginning to look at quite closely and leverage in a lot of our work um, is an approach called social network analysis, um, which is becoming quite popular yeah. in the field. Um, but we are beginning to apply that in really looking at um, um, a lot of the networks and um, sort of the, the, the wider effects, uh, the ripple effects that these sorts of uh, programs can have uh, uh, through the specific individual who, who, uh, who receives uh, the award or the funding. That's great. Yeah, especially that, that last one. You're, you're so right. That's sort of becoming the, the, the hot area of research in international education. So I'm glad to hear that that's going to be something coming out. And, and it sounds like you guys have a, a lot of great things coming from uh, the research and evaluation team. And uh, to all my audience, uh, uh, hope you guys check out this report. Uh, it's, it, it's not one of these sort of uh, very heavy-handed research. I think it's very nice for a lot of people to go and read and look and see the data, see the information explained very well and plainly for, for a lot of people. So uh, it's great. And that report is Social Justice and Sustainable Change, the Impacts of Higher Education. We'll provide a link on this podcast. And I want to thank Dr. Uh, Rajak Pandari for joining us, as well as Dr. Uh, Vika Martel. Uh, thank you both for joining us. And to everyone out there, I hope you learned something.